Hello and welcome to the CCA podcast, coming to you in collaboration with Sunny Govern FM. Today we have four guests who represent the range of events across August. At the end, Tawona from Seeds of Thought, a poet and a musician. Before that, there's the Matchbox Cine Club who are building an international reputation for their events. One of the longest standing promoters at the CCA, Kevin from the Fallen Angels Club, chats about August gigs. But we begin with one of the cultural tenants, Cathy from Cryptic. Well, welcome, first of all, Cathy, to the CCA podcast. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm surprised I've not got you on earlier, but you do have, with Cryptic, two very important events coming up. You're a cultural tenant here, but you're also going over to Edinburgh, I believe, for Below the Blanket. We are indeed. Thank you very much for inviting me and having me today. Yep, we're going to Edinburgh to take over the Botanic Gardens for the month of, well, 24th of July until the 25th of August, not Tuesdays. <laughs> and um, it's the culmination of the Peatlands Partnership Flows to the Future. So they've been doing a five-year project all about the flow country. And we're the final project, and it's about bringing the awareness of the flow country and its importance to Scotland and how it tries to fight against climate change. It's a walking meditation through the botanics in the evening at dusk. (laughs) Wonderful stuff. So not content with having your own festival later on in the year, you're taking on the Fringe and the international festivals as well. Yeah, and we have Catherine Joseph at Summer Hall. So our tiny team upstairs are rather stretched. We have a big actually UK tour of Catherine Joseph. Yes. Yeah, so the Flow Country. Do you know what the Do you That's, know about the Flow that Country? That was going to be my next question because exactly that. What is the Flow Country? Well, the Flow Country is the world's largest blanket bog, and it's a vast mass of peat and sphagnum moss. Do you know what sphagnum moss? That beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all on the posters, but it it actually looks really sexy as well. as what I love about it. And basically. It covers 200,000 hectares in Caithness and Sutherland. So it's right at the very, very top of Scotland. And our artists, we've commissioned a number of artists to create works in response to the flow country. And they've also been working with scientists. So they, some of them have been taking data readings of, well, not the artists, the scientists, I should say. There's a lot of great scientists in Nottingham University who've been exploring the peat bogs and to see okay what does the healthy bog readings look like an unhealthy bog and obviously what the flows to the future have been doing is they have been restoring a lot of the bogs because that's what's really important to keep the carbon in the earth what i should say at this point before talking about art anymore what's fascinating is the flow country itself holds more carbon in the bogs than the entire UK forestry. So Nottingham University has an amazing team who've been researching these bogs and many of the artists, especially Lucy Holland and Matthew Alden, have been taking those data readings and inserting it into their work, into very complicated programming and patches. But what that means is that you actually hear the data, what a healthy bog sounds like and an unhealthy bog. You might even hear one during this program. And um, not only have they been working with uh, scientists, we have had Heather Lander uh, looking at sphagnum moss and actually zooming in on the detail of that. And because it's Cryptic's 25th anniversary, yes, we're a quarter of a century old, um, we have commissioned the wonderful Scottish composer, Malcolm Lindsay, to write for the Dunedin Concert. And what I didn't know when I approached him is that actually 
he grew up in the flow country. But what's even more coincidence is the day that I contacted him to say, would you like to write a piece for for the flows? He said, Kathy, that's really weird. I just this morning hung a photograph or a painting. I think it's a painting of the flows above my desk. And I had wanted to buy this artwork for years and I've just got it and hung it. So you know, serendipity and all of that. Obviously, we can't afford the Dunedin to sing every night as much as I would love to have choral voices. And it's written for um, soprano, alto, tenor and bass. We have five live nights when they'll sing, which is fantastic. Um, And then the rest of the night, it'll be on speaker. But that one of the aims of that particular commission within the event is that because the flow country is so beautiful and so vast. I mean, I, I remember when I was up there, I was there in um, November, one of the um, team from the RSPB, because the RSPB Force and Art is your main contact up there. They've been fantastic to work with. Um, they said, look from that mountain to that mountain. And you go, yeah. I said, well, that's Glasgow to Edinburgh you're looking at. And you think, wow. I'm just seeing those mountains in the distance I'm, I'm actually going there now mentally seeing it it's just beautiful so what we hope with Malcolm Lindsay's piece because they'll have seen lots of photographs and read about the flow country before they reach his incredible tree he has this beautiful beautiful tree where the singers will be that when you listen to the choral piece and you close your eyes you'll be transported to the flow country We've also got wonderful work by Hannah Imlich, and we didn't commission this, we're actually very lucky. This is something that she had made last year. She spent 18 months up in the flows researching. She made these beautiful sculptures and a gorgeous film. And Lucy Holland has made two beautiful sound works, one of them interactive, so you, whenever you move it, it will play back for you. Matthew Olden has a hundred speakers in the trees. So he's going to play with spatialization, and that's very beautiful and travels above your head. And the artist who probably has the most work in the gardens is Cathy Hyde. It's interesting that there's a combination within this project of things I distinctively identify with cryptic, the commissions, of course, being a new one, the combination of art forms, the inability for me to pin it down into one single category. Also that collaboration with science, but a sensitivity towards the environment as well. Kathy is the perfect artist for that actually and you know we were very aware with this work that we wanted her to have not it's not the most focus isn't the right word but you know we, we knew the RSPB let's face it her her Twitter handle is bird twitcher you know she's been on tweet of the day you know for a whole week with her favorite birds she actually starts the journey finishes it she has several beautiful soundscapes and she's actually designed these gorgeous sort of bog beans speakers that are actually within the gardens. Uh, She has a kinetic water sculpture which plays music and then we have also a piece of hers that already exists called Chirp and Drift which is these beautiful sort of bird-like shapes but made of paper and they open and close and we'll be playing sounds and we finish with her. So yeah it's on every day 7 to 9 p.m except Tuesdays. I hope it's I hope it's something people remember and transforms you know the beautiful botanic gardens and actually makes people aware what an important role the flow country does in Scotland. There's another thing to tell you but we've also actually we have an amazing comms person in our office called Christopher Glasgow from Glasgow. He negotiated the most wonderful partnership 
with the old curiosity gin. It means that the old curiosity gin are actually developing a gin which uses all the plants from the flow country. And that we will actually be launching this as part of the project. So that's exciting. I think it's going to be called the Secret Garden um, Gin. So hurrah for the old curiosity and hurrah for Christopher Glasgow. And that, that's a nice legacy as well to leave behind from the event that there is a gin that will forever be associated, hopefully, with it. Yeah, it's lovely. It's really nice. Yeah, I'm very happy. But if I can bring you back to Glasgow <laughs> and take you a couple of months into the future, I'm going to talk about the 31st of October to the 10th of November. Sonica is yeah, back. It is back. Hurrah. I keep thinking I'm every year I do, you know, every Sonica Glasgow, you know, I keep saying the office, yeah, 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 it's smaller. And they go, no, it's not, Cathy, it's got larger. No, it gets larger every <laughs> time. I think in terms of its ambition, its scope. I tell you what I have been passionate about this year is Sonica Glasgow this year, of course, bringing in the international work is really important. And, you know, that stems right back to me as a young artist moving to Glasgow and all the work I saw at Tramway and how that sort of transformed my mind and inspired me and hugely affected the work I made. So bringing in the international work is really important. But this year, more than ever, there's been a real focus to support local talent. I think we've got over 30 UK, mostly Glasgow artists taking part in Sonica. And we haven't announced them all yet because we obviously had our open call, which is great as well. But that's been really important this year. And also reducing the number of venues that what we had in 17. So we're trying this year to have less venues, so it's more concentrated. But there's also a few fantastic surprises in there being the engine works in mary hill which is the beautiful old rose right factory um which we're delighted to be showing the japanese artist asuna and his 100 keyboards in there all favorites like the hamilton mausoleum where luke farler will be playing two concerts with his made instruments so that's really exciting and the opening show is a fellow northern irish man from Belfast called Max Cooper and he's an he's an interesting guy because you know he's a scientist did you know that no no there you go so he's a scientist and he's worked with social architecture the work is ether and you have many kilometers of cable above you and it's this quite extraordinary light and music show and what I really like about it is it's for all ages you're under it and there's this wow factor and that's on the 31st of October. So that's the alternative fun Halloween night. Come to that. So it's actually on the Halloween night yeah. itself. <laughs> that's wonderful because I think as the podcast can't quite give you that visual image, there is videos of the work, isn't there, online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Sonica. And oh, it's sonic-a.co.uk. Yeah, they're very, well, I guess Sonica. It's Sonic Art for the Visually Minded. So the work for me has to be is beautiful stroke stunning visually as it is orally and sort of the link there that i like is cryptic's all about ravishing the senses so so (laughs) so how do yeah i think there's a uh parallel there let's say with sonica but we also like the dirty grungy in sonica as well of course that's really important and in what i'm thrilled about is in cca we have a group from, well, the country focus this year, or the regional focus, because it's not a country, not yet anyway, is Catalonia. And um, that's thanks to support from the Institute Ramon Yui. We have a number of brilliant Catalonian artists coming in. And the work that opens first in here in CCA is the Cabo Son Roque's Juan Brosa Didn't Tell Me. And they're 
extraordinary artists because they actually performed with Carlos Santos for years. And uh, for those who don't know Carlos Santos, he was an extraordinary Catalonian director who loved to have things like nude women flying above a piano, but they'd still manage to stop and play the piano mid-flight. So if you think extraordinary musicians, sexy performers. That was Carlos Santos in a nutshell. There's always nudity somewhere in his shows. However, Cabos and Rocky have no nudity. Um, so don't be coming expecting that. But they, this installation, which I actually saw when I was at Sonar last year, I took a train. It took me quite a while to go to Tarragona. It is absolutely amazing. And there's a bit of me, I think, I'm mad bringing this in for 10 days. <laughs> but... It's extraordinary. They have 400 objects, including a beautiful piece of Wagner being played. It's all retro. It's all old objects. Bellows, typewriters, combs. The list is endless. They've got measuring tapes that move up and down. And the whole thing is kinetic and makes sound. And it's just, you walk around it and you just, you can't believe actually what you're watching. It's stunning. So I'm thrilled that we're bringing that in. And then what else we have in here? A beautiful work from Belgium called The Fall by Carl van Velden. And he's very much about art and nature and I would say maybe natural disasters. And this particularly reference, you know, he's looked at earthquakes and volcano eruptions and various things in his work. And this one is particularly referencing uh, volcanoes. And you watch and listen to a beautiful piece of music playing. It's very slow and you're all watching it. And then very slowly, ash starts to fall on the player. It continues to fall over maybe 10 minutes. But as it falls, of course, the music changes and the needle can't quite move until eventually it comes to halt. And then that's the exhibition that you watch during the festival with the screen on the wall. But we've actually invited him to perform this live three times in Sonica because I think actually watching that ashfall is very moving. Yeah, I, I'm thrilled we're showing him because he's actually quite a brilliant Belgium artist. And the next artist is Robertina Sibjanic. And she's from Ljubljana, again, coming to CCA, giving you all the CCA favourites. You can range <laughs> broadly, that's okay. You don't have to go CCA only. Well, no, but it's nice because, um, you know, we always think of what suits CCA. And she's about arts and science, and she has these beautiful jellyfish, which she turns into music. I'm not going to say too much, but it's very, very beautiful. It's called Aurelia. Her work's very, very stunning and will fascinate people. And we've got a lot of AV shows coming in from, again, the amazing female coder, Alba Corral, who's probably one of the best, I would say, female coders in the world. Her visuals are stunning. Wonderful work from Montreal, which I saw at Mutech. And what's interesting with the generation that we've brought in this year, that the generation who have been inspired by Herman Coleman. So you'll remember Herman Coleman, who we had here, Colgan, in um, 2015. And when I saw her work, I thought, wow, this is, re this is really interesting. And when I met her, one of my questions is always with artists, who, who you're, you know, who, who's been your inspirations? And when she said Herman, you know, it's like, yeah. It re and that's fascinating because it's the next generation after. It's a bit like who's, you know, I'm really curious to the uh, generation after Roshi Akida because he, for me, is very, very overexposed now around the globe. But, you know, who the generation under him are going to do something completely different. So we have a lot of beautiful work from... Um, I'm going to go through all the countries in my head. Gareth, I can't go through everything. 
Well, that's certainly true because it's it's a huge festival, really. Even though you say, oh, you're using less venues, you're still using tramway, you're still using CCA, you're still finding these other places such as... The, the engine works. We have, or we, we are for the first time working with the National Trust Scotland this year and we have a beautiful sound work outdoors the first weekend by Katie Anderson called Sound Horns and that's in the Parterre Garden at Pollock House. I'm also very excited to be showing from Canada, which we're closing with Hong Kong Exile, which is called Fung Foxconn Frequency Number no. 3. That's by a wonderful composer, Remy Sui, who's up for Goddy Amos Award. We have a great work by Brian Irvin in Edinburgh, who's another Northern Irish chap, and John McElduff, Dumbworld, and it's called He Did What? Opera, graffiti style that you listen to in headphones. Mm -hmm. So you'll watch it on the street, going to shoot the fecker in the pecker. <laughs> is what you watch as part of the libretto and it's very funny and it's brilliant brilliant music and highly entertaining so i'm i'm very pleased that we're we're getting to show that because we're actually showing that after bam we wanted to show it the whole festival both weekends but obviously works are in demand and you can only get them when you can get them so yeah um i'm i'm very pleased at that um and then one of the other works that I want to talk about is a work called Money Desk from Argentina. It's by a composer, Nicholas Varsheski, and he's going to be collaborating with a local musician. We haven't decided who that is. And I think it's interesting because Argentina's obviously had a financial crash and a problem. And I think Britain, with obviously Brexit, you know, we have devalued hugely as well. So I think this is interesting work because it comments on... He plays money and he's doing lots of things with it, but it's a very cool, let's say, performance. And that's going to be at Glasgow School of Art. Very yeah. convenient for the CCA. As you're describing this, and I'm thinking back over previous Sonicas, sometimes I challenge myself to see what are the categories of work and how they fit against other things. And so many of the pieces of work don't fit easily into a category there liminal they're across boundaries yeah. and so on but then i can't imagine any other place in glasgow where they would actually happen sonica has a uniqueness because of that i think this is the only place these things could happen i would have thought is that is that fair to say yeah i think you're right i mean i um i think i'm very aware of the crossover between visual art and sound and music now you know because so many people are working across genres one thing i i do wish is i wish that we could show the visual art for longer because we bring in works and they only get to show for a short time this year i mean we've collaborated with the lighthouse since 2015 and you know it, it's they're brilliant to work with. So I'm thrilled this year for the first time we've been able to show, we've got two works. One is Yuri Suzuki's Furniture Music. This is a fun piece based on domestic sounds. That's going to run from the 5th of October until January. So that really gets a long run. So it's the first time ever we've been able to do that, which is brilliant. And the other work, so we've also got in the lighthouse, Navid Navid's Aquaphonia. And I saw this in Paris two years ago, and it's brilliant. It's three installations, which is all chemistry apparatus, and you speak into it. So you might say, hello, Gareth, and you watch your voice, okay? It creates a bubble, goes through the liquid, goes through all three installations. At one point, it's made into steam, and then at the very end, your voice comes back out in a different sound. It's Absolutely superb. It, how it sort of transfers air to water back to air again is superb. So that opens on the 30th um, October and will also run to the 6th of January. So I'm thrilled those two works are actually getting to be shown for longer because I wish a lot of these quality works could stay for longer. But 
I guess the nature of a festival is you're in and then you're out. But they've also got a lot of local artists. You mentioned that at the beginning. So who have you got? Because you've got quite close relationships with a lot of local artists. You've supported them at various stages in their career. So who have you got this time? Who have we got? Well, who have we got that you that you might not know is um, Ella Orleans is making a new work. That's going to premiere at Tramway. That's also to do with her getting a lot of exciting footage that NASA's released for her. Obviously, you know, since landing on the moon, this is the year. We have Alex Smoke and Heather Lander working together, Primordial Waters. And this is a live performance in the evening, which Alex is actually going to sing in. (laughs) So he was a chorister and I love that about him. So he has beautiful, beautiful singing voice, which not many people know. And then during the day, it'll run as an installation and then they'll do a live performance at night. So I'm really thrilled that they're actually, because they're two cryptic artists and the fact they're working together, I'm I'm thrilled that that's um, worked like that. So that's brilliant. We're also doing an evening. We're having an evening at the Tobacco Warehouse in Greenock. Now, this is exciting. We're going to bus people down to Greenock and take over the Tobacco Warehouse. And that's also going to be a night celebrating with the Samas. I went to the Samas this year and I'm very aware that artists win an award and then what happens to them afterwards? Where do they go? One of the things we've done this year is we actually um, gave Lokinder, Daniel McGee, a residency at Cove Park earlier this year. And he's actually going to make a new work, which will be shown at Tramway with Alba Corral. So that's him making a new work with new music and visuals. So at the Tobacco Warehouse, we're having a night where Sam has selected two artists who are going to perform. And that's Callum Easter and Rev Magnetic, which is brilliant. And then we have a whole load of other artists who will be performing along with them. Uh, Cleft, who I'm sure you know, we're getting into the dance music, Suzuki, um, various people like that, probably Robbie Thompson. So that's going to, we're going to transform the whole uh, venue. And I'm actually thrilled because not a, a good warehouse is a great place to dance in as well. It'll be a dance night. What's very exciting looking at the Sonica programme is the way it represents a, a certain aesthetic which cryptic i think is very strongly associated with are you still doing some cryptic nights this year is that gonna is that an ongoing program as well and are you coming to the cca with it <laughs> so cryptic nights 10 years this year in this building um we've just closed our open call and that will be for 2020 2021 so yes we we have no more cryptic nights this year because we're going straight into sonica almost um and um, we open next year with um, Matthew Grice, who had a residency in Cove Park last year as well. So yeah, we are we'll have a busy year in 2020 with um, Cryptic Nights, and we love Cryptic Nights, and we love the fact the artists get a residency here. You know, they love the technical support they get. We document the work for them. They get sometimes their first press preview review, and for these young artists, that really really matters for them. Um, so yeah, I'm delighted that we're hurrah still doing cryptic nights 10 years later yeah wonderful well, thank you so much for talking today kathy sonico is the 31st of october to the 10th of november all across glasgow below the blanket it's over in edinburgh i'm gonna say it's just during the fringe yes thank you so much thank you very much
it would appear that today's episode is going to be rather a musical episode because I have someone here, Kevin from Fallen Angels, who has been with the CSA for a very long time. Welcome, first of all, Kevin. Thank you for joining me here today. Could I ask, first of all, what is the Fallen Angels? Well, who are the Fallen Angels? Well, the Fallen Angels Club is basically, it's myself. I'm a one-man uh, band. And I put on Americana, alt country, uh, folk music in Glasgow and sometimes Edinburgh. You've been here since 2007 booking in the CCA. That's right, yes. How did you decide to come here? Because in 2007 it was a very different building to the one it is today, I guess. It didn't look aesthetically, it doesn't really look too much different. But the, the Fallen Angels Clubs, it, it sounds as though that's a venue, but it's actually it's a multi-purpose. We, use, we find each and every show a home, you know. So the... And the CCA was a place we uh, tried um, to get involved with. And it was back in uh, the very early days of my Americana festival that we'll probably discuss later on. Um, and yeah, we kinda, it was a, 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 an Austin singer-songwriter that I still work with that played here in 2007 called Sam Baker. And yeah, the rest is history. It's very interesting to see that you've maintained that strand for, well, it's over 10 years now, it's over a decade, yeah. but also that Americana is sort of going musical concern. I remember sort of 2007, 2008, it was, it was an up and coming thing at the time, wasn't it yes. really? And you, I guess you were one of the early adopters, both in the CCA in terms of booking here and it's open source program but also in terms of the music as well getting it across what enthused you about it what is it about americano and old country that speaks to you well i got into uh, americana music through a good friend of mine uh, francis mcdonald who's better known uh, for bands like the bmx bandits he's currently the uh, drummer on teenage fan club so francis ran a an old country record label called shoeshine records back probably starting off 20 odd years ago and Francis, through some of the acts that he brought over uh, and records he put out, um, got me into the genre. And then through time, I started the Fallen Angels Club. I actually started as a monthly club. And then from it's kind of snowballed to just gigs as and when. Well, you say a monthly club, but I think you've got two shows coming up in the CCA in August. Is that right? Yes. Can you tell me about who they are and what they're like? We have two uh, shows back to back and it's kind of pretty much what we do kind of these uh, two shows are a very good example on Wednesday 28th of August we've got two fantastic uh, old style American singer songwriters Charlie Parr and G.D. Wilkes and on uh, the following night we've got an up and coming uh, singer called Amethyst Kaya um, also American Do you source most of your performers from America or are they, are they Scottish performers as well who are working in the genre where, where do you look where do you find them It's pretty much mixed you know we do, we've always um, supported Scottish talent since we've been uh, we've been promoting uh, 10 years as we said in the CC but in total we've been promoting music for 15 years and so over the years we've had uh, from Scotland the likes of Roddy Hart, uh, Jill Jackson, Blue Rose Code, Martha Healy you know so we've um, there's a quite a, a long list of Scottish acts that have stepped through the doors of Fallen Angels Club. There was this connection, I think, between Scottish music and what we now call Americana. I'm, I think when I was uh, growing up or first getting into music, I don't know if the term existed, but that kind of music, country music, I guess, as well, between Scotland and America, there's this very strong emotional connection. Do you have any ideas why that is? What is it about that quite, sound? quite sure, I think. Um, like there's, there's a singer, Eliza Gilkison, that I've put on several times, and she's played upstairs in here a couple of times, and she always says all I'm doing is bringing your music back home mm. you know kind of, 
I did actually see a concert once at the Sidmouth Folk Festival where they connected a lot of Scottish, English folk music to country versions of yeah. them that developed. So I think musically that there's that crossing the Atlantic backwards and forwards that goes on. And what is it as well for you that keeps you going as well? I mean, 10, 10 years here, 15 years yeah. all in all, what keeps you enthusiastic? I think there's always a new mu music to be sourced. As you said, kind of maybe 10 years or so ago, the Americana genre wasn't quite as well uh, known. But now, if you look at the, the size of venues, some of these acts are, are playing, you know, hydro and whatnot. So one day. You've never been tempted to book something for the hydro then? Yeah, I've never actually been asked, unfortunately. <laughs> And you mentioned an Americana Festival earlier. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. Well, the Glasgow Americana Festival was launched in 2007. So we're now, we're a teenager this year. We're on our 13th festival. And where does that happen? Uh, various venues. So you're really crossing, and when is it? It, it always takes place early October. So this year we're Wednesday the 2nd of October to Sunday the 6th. Oh wow, so quite a big festival then for you. Yeah, well, it's, uh, there's nine shows plus a workshop. Mm -hmm. Are you allowed to mention any of the performers yet, or is yes, it too early? Yes, well, it's, everything's on sale through GlasgowAmericana.com just now. We've got the likes of uh, Rachel Samani from Edinburgh, fantastic singer-songwriter, who's got a new record coming later in the year, and she's going to open up with a friend of hers, who's also uh, an amazing uh, Canadian singer-songwriter called Rose Cousins. Mm -hmm. uh, we have various singer-songwriters, Sam Outlaw, R Rod Pycott. Uh, we're doing a, a bunch of shows called The Seven Song Club. So it's three different acts on one bill, and they all get to sing seven songs. Oh, that sounds great. What a brilliant idea. That's actually, and it's not mine, unfortunately, so I can't take credit for it. There's a, a singer uh, from Glasgow called Warren McIntyre, who's got a band called Starry Skies, and Warren does a monthly club called the seven song club oh, so you're integrating it it's into a great the, name yeah so is we've got the, on the friday night and the sunday afternoon we're going to have a couple of shows you've talked about going to different venues around the city probably based on the suitability of the venue for the artist but what is it about the cca that brings you back here quite regularly well i think the fact we've been in here uh, for so long and everybody's always been very good to me um, and also, the CCA has changed and probably for the better since I've been working on it. Yeah, I think uh, Paul and Claire from Saramago Cafe have made a huge difference. It's a much more vibrant place. Yeah, I think back in 2008 and even to like 2009, 10, 11, there wasn't many promoters putting music on in here. It was normally just myself. On the downside, it is harder to get <laughs> spaces because there's a lot of other uh, companies and they're using the CCA, but on the flip side, it's good for us all because the CCA has been seen to be a music venue. It's incredibly bu busy as well, all the time, incredibly busy all the time. I'm interested as well in that theatre space upstairs, is that the space that you, you go into? It is, yes, yeah. normally, yes. And is that all standing or do you do seated stuff? How do you the, deal with that? Well, the kind of shows we put on, uh, Gareth, I normally all sit down and listen to it, so it's normally a theatre style. We have had uh, some standing shows, but... More often than not, they're always uh, seated. It's that kind of versatility that's quite nice, yes. I think, about the venue and about the space, that if you need to rock out, you can do yes. that. But on the other hand, if you need a more gentle experience, then it's there as well. Because yes. some of our shows kind of do need it to be set out like school assembly, so people sit and listen. So do you have an online presence as well? Because I should point people in that direction if they want to go get tickets or find yes, out more. Yes, for um, Fallen Angels shows, we're online at fallenangelsclub.com. The Glasgow Americana Festival we mentioned is glasgowamericana.com and we're on 
Twitter, social medias, uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Okay. Thanks, Gareth. Celebrities really following Keanu Khan, the Matchbox Cine Club, has attained a media presence that spans the globe. Welcome, Megan and Sean. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Now, you've been at the CCA for a while now, putting on events. Is it just the CCA that you work and put events on at? Uh, not strictly. We tend to have a really good home with the CCA. Um, they're very accommodating, but we do do events all over the place. Um, just most recently, we had a co-screening with the Edinburgh Film Festival. Um, so that was in Filmhouse. Filmhouse One. Wow. Okay. So I'm right when I'm saying that you're really growing as an organisation. Yeah. Yeah. We're just um, we're we're just determined to kind of keep on growing maybe not necessarily with the sizes of the venues because it's quite uh, important for us to have the same kind of intimacy and accessibility but certainly the program itself has grown a lot more events than we were used to when we first started. Well one of the things I guess I'm most excited about is that coming off of Keanu Con, you've got an event coming up at the end of August weird weekend. That's right yeah. 
Now, can I first of all ask you, what is the ethos or the aesthetic of the Cine Club? Well, we first started, um, uh, we were founded not by us, actually by a chap called uh, Tommy McCormick, who had been to Iceland and seen a series of short film uh, pop-up screenings. And he felt that in Glasgow, there was a lack of short films on the big screen. This was kind of around... I don't know if it was post-Magic Lantern, but before GSFF, um, certainly um, there was a kind of paucity of like short film screenings. And so he started screening short, uh, future shorts programmes in the CCA, actually. I did a couple of those and then I got involved. And, you know, we kind of, since then, and at, at its heart, it's really about uh, films that people aren't screening or that are, can't be seen otherwise or events that... Um, you won't see anyone else doing. So really the root of it is films that are difficult to see and or special events that wouldn't happen if we didn't do them. Well, I have to ask about the special events because Keanu Kong, Cage of Armour, I'm not sure they're necessarily films that we don't get to see that often or can you correct me there? Yeah, well, that's um, basically our ethos is, is is cult films and cult audiences. So that's like uh, basically, as I say, films that are hard to see or audiences that as a whole are kind of uh, underserved. So um, the, the way we kind of frame that is that uh, K-Jarama and Kianicon are about the audiences and about framing the context of these films slightly differently than you'd see otherwise. So we probably, well, we wouldn't necessarily screen something like Con Air on its own, but we would program it in a, a week weekend long celebration of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and I think in terms of our audiences um, and access when we're doing these types of big long weekend events, Canical and K-Drama, Weird Weekends, um, we offer a sliding scale ticket price for um, individual tickets so that audiences can pay what they can afford um, and we use uh, the green bottle scale sliding system so that it outlines um, in terms of your uh, lifestyle, so not what you earn, it's uh, really simplified down to, you know, do you go on holidays or do you get your books from the library instead of buying? them new and things like that so that they can pay from nothing up until a certain um price and we have also now started to screen all of our films with subtitles um or descriptive subtitles for deaf and hard of hearing audiences so that's across the board regardless of what we're showing that really seems to fit in quite nicely with the cca's general ethos and approach the inclusivity the making sure that people can get to it and experience it but also making sure the subtitling and those things are available for people in this very cinema show working here. Megan, what have you got coming up in August? Um, in August, we have the, uh, we're working with Pity Party Film Club um, to launch the Scalarama programme for this year. For the whole of September, we've got a celebration of film across the nation. So we're launching that with the very serious and highbrow Sing Along Saw, um, which will be the classic uh, Saw horror film with live drag acts. So like the cutting up film, basically. Is yeah. That's what Saw's about, isn't it? It's one of these, like, I hate to say it, gore porn films. Yeah. And you sing along to it. You sing along to it. We've got um, some fantastic drag acts, uh, local ones, including Puke, who is um, part of Pity Party, and Shrek666, who does amazing, highly complex, but also slightly horrible um, performances, I think, along with Puke. So we're very excited that I think audiences are going to get something that they definitely wouldn't be able to get anywhere else. And that's just launching Scarlet Lama. Yep, that's um, that's just launching the programme. So we've got nearly a whole month um, from the start of September of exhibitors uh, every night in Glasgow and Edinburgh and across Scotland putting on events. 
event. So on the 18th um, for Sing Along Saw, you can get the brochure for Scalarama and see all of the wonderful film events. And then at the end of August, we go into Scalarama. So the weekend from the the 30th um, of August right through into the 1st of September, we are starting Scalarama off with Weird Weekend. Okay, so I have to ask about Weird Weekend because I know there's an eclecticism in the choices that you make. There's a real range of different things. So what's going to happen at Weird Weekend? Weird Weekend. So this is more kind of the core matchbox programming of films that are hard to see. Uh, We call it Cine Outcasts, Orphans and Outliers. And it's basically to three days of strange and unseen cinema from around the world. We're starting off with an incredibly rare 35mm screening of a lost Bill Murray film called Nothing Lasts Forever. That's a perfect sweet spot, isn't it? Bill Murray and Lost. That's (laughs) amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's actually, Bill Bill Murray is the headline, but it's um, it's written and directed by an early SNL uh, filmmaker who was there from the beginning of SNL making these films with um, uh, John Belushi and the the original cast and these incredibly... uh, stylized and impressive short films so it was this one film it's the very first SNL film it was never released by the by the, the by the studio and it's kind of been sitting on the shelf for all these years like you can only really screen it um with this 35mm print it's never been on video never been on DVD if it's in the often it's going to be a long while off um, it's partly licensing issues I think music licensing um, and also the footage kind of interpolates footage from old films there's maybe a, 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 it's possible that the filmmaker hadn't properly cleared the clips and the music that he'd used just like the old days of hip hop yeah it tends to be a lot of these films it happens a lot with um, the music is the thing that holds up and, and so it, even if they have the rights for the theatrical release um, um, they haven't cleared the rights for any domestic release, so they kind of just sit on the shelf because they're too expensive. But this one, I think it's screened on television um, in America once, and it's screened on BBC in 1994. And these are the only times that you could see the film, apart from her screening on the 31st, or rather the 30th of August. And what happens after that? What else have you got on that weird weekend? After that, yeah, we have, so we have 13 films or events over the weekend. We have... A whole range of screens. We have the Sarah Jacobson uh, 2K restorations from the American Genre Film Archive. They kind of, um, this is a filmmaker uh, around about the turn of the century. When I say turn of the century, I mean like the millennium, um, who um, sadly died very young. Um, and she was a filmmaker who kind of smashed up B-movie sensibilities with Riot Girl aesthetics and um, that kind of... Uh, regular feminism so really striking works and this is like the first time that these 2k restorations have been screened um in the uk and so we've got those we've thrown that with a tilda swinton rarity called technolust and we have a panel on deep fakes which is really interesting i find it really interesting anyway what's that deep fakes are this new phenomenon where you can basically the technology exists um which is very easy to use and very open to people that have a good enough computer and the time to spare to basically transplant someone's face onto existing footage. So you see it with them. Um, quite recently, there's been a spate of deep fakes from a maker called Control Shift Face, um, who has transplanted, for example, Bill Murray's face into Full Metal Jacket or Jim Carrey into The Shining. Um, and he's done a whole range of those. And so they're very convincing, eerily so. And they have a like they have huge Im- deep fakes as a technology has huge implications for politics, and on the other end of the spectrum, um, like 
creepy kind of revenge porn or or just like this idea that you can take an actor or an actress's likeness and put it into actual pornography so there's a really creepy and insidious and chilling aspect to them and it's going to factor into the 2020 american elections and in the middle of that there's these this uh, implication for the film canon and for film making going forward so it's a really interesting moment and a really interesting subject and we have this panel um, and control shift is actually coming to from uh, a mystery location in europe over for our panel and we're going to have invited guests to discuss it and we're going to have a shorts program um, of deep fake clips that will run on a, a loop in the CCA cinema where we're sitting right now for the whole of the weekend that's amazing that's so exciting fingers crossed it should be exciting it should be fun I think uh, th- these clips um, like I say it's a, it's a potentially chilling subject matter but the actual clips are just kind of you know pop culture ephemera mm-hmm. so entertaining Megan is there anything you're looking forward to in the weird weekend in particular oh I think um Although it's uh, maybe one that more people have heard of, the Burps um, that we're screening on Sunday night, which is a classic Joe Dante with um, Tom Hanks, but we're showing the work print version. So it's extended with deleted scenes and an alternative ending. And we also have Joe Dante um, joining us for a Q&A after that. And we've got uh, Sarah Mago doing um, as a pizza party. So that'll be uh, just a lot of fun. Joe Dante is joining you. Is that through Skype or something? Through like that? the magic of Skype. Incredible. That's that's quite a coup. Yeah, I mean, we've been really uh, lucky over the last wee while in terms of guests and people wanting to engage with us. Touching on um, Nothing Lasts Forever, the wonderful Mr. Tom Schiller actually reached out to us um, to say, you know, well done for screening it. Good choice. So uh, I think that's the way it should be. You know, we're just waiting on Keanu uh, giving us a wee call. Yeah, so Tom, Tom Schiller will hopefully be involved in the screening in some description. He's really keen, um, but we're that's to be confirmed. Um, there's actually a lot of extras involved in the, in the festival weekend, which will be coming unfolded in the in the coming days. Ooh, um, do you have a website then that we can look it up on? Yes, indeed. We have matchboxcineclub.com. Um, there's a forward slash weird weekend in there as well, but the whole festival's, uh, the whole website is full of uh, exciting content, uh, thrilling stuff. Uh, you can find uh, K-Drama there and Kianicon and all our upcoming screenings. I believe that my final guest for today is one of the most long-serving presences in the CCA from 2007. Tawona, welcome. And am I right in thinking that Seas of Thought has been here since 2007 doing things? Yes, thanks, Gareth. Yeah, uh, glad to be here. Yes, yes, uh, I can't believe it myself. Just uh, realised the other day, so yeah, still I here. I know that the first time I ever saw anything by you was a published pamphlet of poetry that I saw in the CCA, and that must have been in around 2007 or quite a while ago. Yeah, that was 2005, actually. Oh, well, yeah, there yeah. you go. So that you were here the... before they even started <laughs> open source programming. Can yeah. I ask first of all about you? What do you do? Because I know that you're always around in the building. You've got a variety of interests. How do you define yourself these days? I think I would say I'm a storyteller, and the way the story is telling itself is evolving with time and so i think a lot of my work is supporting other people's creative journeys adventures so yes um as you said i'm in the building quite a lot we have our regular seeds um events we have the drawing sessions and we have the creative writing sessions and we have uh, like we have tonight we have the so what, what's happening tonight because this is a pattern do you come every month as well pretty yes much? Yeah. yes so there's always seeds of thought things happening every month every building. month yeah and a performance space night yes it is a performance night and it's um it's any way you can describe a relaxed um informal 
evening of words and music. So yeah, we've been doing it for for a long time now, and it's great to to have a stage that is equally open to the seasoned, uh, slick performers as well as the up and coming, as well as the people who are not sure that they are poets or not. So it's 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 great to have that atmosphere. Great How do people get involved? Is it a curated event? Do you pick them or do they come to you? What's the kind of post? No, um, we um, everyone is invited. I mean, we have we've had some classic nights. We've had homeless guys off the streets turning up and uh, saying, "Ah, is it okay, big man, to have a slow?" Like, yeah, come in. So it's it's crazy like that sometimes. But yeah, the the idea is for for my brother and I and Tanim, um, we we love being in the creative circle everyone who we met in uh in, in the creative arts has been a, a friend now allies friends were family with a lot of people and i think for me as an incomer to glasgow as well that was a big deal for me that's the first time i you know when your place is new some people ask when does a place stop being new or when do you start feeling like you're part of a place i think being embraced by creative people who are just as as concerned as anxious as joyful about creating stuff so yeah uh that's why yeah, yeah, uh, i love it and you're a musician as well as a storyteller is that right does any of that happen as part of the event yes play uh music which i'm very happy to keep a tradition going that is a uh, centuries even thousands maybe years old so the mbira the music which has been passed down by our family to us um so yeah it's it's a music played on uh on occasions where people are getting together because the the gathering is a, is a sacred space you know because when you come to a gathering you are you are giving yourself to a space that you're sharing or co-creating with other people so you have to i guess it's it's a reminder that the the individual is always smaller than the collective <laughs> so there's that aspect to it but yeah so the music is definitely a part of that because it it uh, it kind of grounds what we are doing and i've seen you all over the place doing bits and pieces here and there but i particularly noticed that your storytelling presence is unique i would say you have you have qualities as a storyteller that i haven't seen in anyone else what kind of encouraged you to become a storyteller is there a particular tradition that you draw on yeah yeah um so yeah thanks gareth for that question because for me storytelling encompasses so much it's about storytelling is about coming together and in fact in our in our languages uh, my, my mom's language shona and my dad's language now there is no actual word for storyteller there's only uh, a word for story time so it kind of shows the I guess the the conspiratory <laughs> qualities of storytelling you can never do it by yourself so so yeah I, I I basically I got it from in my family the tradition is that the grandmothers are the storytellers so I picked that up from a young age I just loved being around when stories come and stories come in many different ways sometimes it's a response to a situation that has happened for example when we're kids you know sometimes you're wasting food or you're uh, kicking rocks or something and uh, our grand would say oh why are you kicking that rock do you know it's been here for a long time and da, da, da. and then before you know it you're into a story that kind of thing so so yeah so stories can come that way or maybe sometimes you're just like grand tell us that story tell us that story. I'm weird. that's what we call our grandmother so so yeah um i think the magic of that and also the setting when i was very young it's almost the it's almost like a a surreal setting, you know, um, because I grew up in Harare, you know, so urban life, but uh, on school holidays, being with uh, grandparents, so you're sitting, you're sitting in the in the center of the courtyard. The fire is kind of tired from all the work it's been doing during the day. It's just at a low, low level, and then you know the hills. It's it's really dark. The hills are surrounding you, and then 
complete silence and this one voice is just carrying around the whole environment yeah i guess that's the magic for me and i so i really something in me maybe sort of is inspired by that and then yeah um obviously there are there are some ingredients of my own whatever my personality brings into that yeah i think one of the things that i recognize in your description of the storytelling tradition yeah. also in the way that you tell stories is the way that you command the space and bring it down to this very relaxed, engaged and focused story that gradually unwinds itself gently and then always comes back to where you started beautifully. And I think, I think that's what makes it so exciting. So people get an opportunity to hear that storytelling at the Seeds of Thought event. Is that true? Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, all, all, all music, poetry, whatever, all those are elements of story. So it's an interesting idea that I'm trying to share with a lot more people. I think also for me, thing that helps me because people sometimes ask about nerves and performance and I don't get nervous because I think my excitement is... is stronger than my i'm very excited at telling stories because i know how it feels when you when you watch something really engaging so i guess for me communication is a big thing that i'm trying to get you know if i connect with the audience then i'm happy you know um otherwise what what's what's the what's the point and and that also it has helped me kind of navigate some some traps i think you know because performers sometimes they look at a room and they go oh there's only x amount of people and then they phone it in <laughs> as aileen one of my good friends describes it as you know said oh that that person's phoning it in so yeah for me whether there's one person there or whatever it's my performance is at the same level all the time what's Glasgow important in coming to Glasgow in getting you to do the storytelling? Were you doing it before you came to Glasgow or did it provide an impetus for you to get your stuff out there? Wow, yeah, great question. Glasgow kind of, you know, pushed me in some ways to be, to pursue it more intensely, I would say. So yeah, I mean, it's there, we kind of we do it here and there and uh, sometimes do it for friends. And But what was very important to me was in Glasgow, I think a lot of things were happening. I think just noticing some gaps in maybe, in some ways, maybe naively, I expected uh, a mutual understanding. You know, I'm from Zimbabwe, you know, through schooling and kind of social uh, education, kind of, you know a lot about the UK even history. And so maybe seeing that not reciprocated <laughs> kind of made me wonder like, wow, okay, so there's quite a lot of people who don't seem to know anything about Zimbabwe or yeah so that pushed me a little bit and also it's more important as well because I think lack of understanding is is maybe a scourge of our of our world community you know because I think there are a lot of things that happen sometimes nasty things can happen or sinister things can happen but they maybe come from misunderstanding and I felt like there was a need for that and yeah I mean we've got so many things that can happen you know um so yeah I felt like exposing myself telling these stories maybe something something mutual can develop and i feel like i, st I feel like i'm still on that journey but in a, in, a, in a very positive way and do you find that the cca is a good place for this kind of cultural interchange yeah the cca this is this is my home you know creatively i uh, i'm so much at home in this building sometimes an event is organized by other people and they say it's at the cca i'm like ah okay great you know yeah uh I, I love being here um and the opportunity you know we have been given as seeds to 
to be in a space like this, yeah, it, that one we we don't underestimate it one bit, you know, because we <laughs> in the early days <laughs> when we were because we thought, oh, you know, guys, okay, we're doing our stuff. Tanim is doing a graphic design. My brother and I are playing music, and we're like, ah, how can we get more people involved not necessarily more people involved in what we're doing but how can we get involved in what other people are doing because I, I feel you you are not an all-round performer if you are not able to sit and absorb what other people are doing you know there's so many bad habits you know there are people who maybe will come to an event perform their piece and leave that's a little pet hate of mine i i know there are many reasons that may be but i feel that kind of bugs me i feel like for me I love going places and I sit in the audience and sometimes even the host may say, oh, do you want to do something? And I'm like, ah, you know, it's fine, you know. I love that, you know. I can, I, I equally participate listening as, as performing. So, yeah. So we were keen to get to get involved in in the scene, who's out there, what's going on. And so, yeah, we, <laughs> so many adventures, you know, walking around with backpacks with little flyers, trying to do different things at different places. And then when we came to the CCA, it just felt, it just felt amazing. I think the connection we made, you know, I remember meeting Francis and Kerry quite early on and uh, just chatting about um, what our ideas were and being given the space. That was amazing for us because I think that generosity is a big part of everything. Well, I wonder whether you're, title of your events seeds of thought had that influence on them when they made the seed library that's outside so it's all seems to fit in quite nicely <laughs> i think you've given back and as much as you've taken away from the place but my last question is though that seeds of thought it does occur to me where did that name come from why did you call your events package for a better word the seeds of thought yeah Tanim came up with that with that word because we, we were just thinking oh you know ah, what are we going to call this and we realized that there's something about there's something about, you know, um, not being in control, which is quite important. A farmer can only put seeds in the earth and then they have to wait. <laughs> There's so much that's just uh, out of their hands after that. You know, will the rains come? Will the temperatures be okay? You know, all the conditions. So there's something interesting about the uncertainty the unpredictability maybe of what's going to happen so yeah uh it it's a perfect name because and also you know things that happen because we meet so many people and sometimes you know you you encounter somebody and the impact of that encounter is not for another you know long time afterwards you know so so those kind of the germinating and of of ideas of energy of spirit yeah uh it really it's it's the name is 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 really powerful for that and and um and the logo as well as you know uh goes with that so yeah yeah we love the name although when you when you if you if you type it in a in a search you you get a, a lot of uh grows you know <laughs> it's well, a, you were there first, <laughs> and that's going back a while i mean the internet barely existed in that yeah thank you for taking the time for today it's been a real pleasure as always Seeds of thought are always in the CCM. Are you ready? Who is bound to be? Are you ready to reunite with your mother and your son? Are you ready for what you need? Are you ready? Are you ready for the youth you believe? Are you ready? Who is bound to be? Are you ready to reunite with your mother and your son? Are you ready for what you believe? Are you ready? Are you ready? And finally, thank you to Sonny Govan, Julian Bowen, who make this all possible, and Kenny, who provides the tech support. That was August, and I'm Gareth K. Vile, and we'll be back in a month.
Thank you.